everybody, welcome back to the Podcast Daily. Welcome in for a Tuesday edition of the Stock Watch. It's rare that both Berm and me, Austin Ward, would be doing that without Bill. Also rare that we would do it on Tuesday. But you know what? Yeah. There are no rules in June. Last week, Bill and I broke that down and did the defense. Guys that we heard their names uh, a lot or in maybe some interesting or informative ways from the media day with the assistant coaches last week. So it's about a week out. We've had some time to marinate, process, and then we'll flip to the other side of the ball, Berm. Uh, yeah, I think the biggest thing with the offense is that there are known commodities, and then there are a bunch of guys that you're like, well, if you can figure out a way to get this guy the ball, then he can do this. Then, Because we know the offense is going to run through Marvin Harrison and Mecca Abuka, right? Mm-hmm. So everyone else is sort of a, how do you find a way to manage to get this guy involved in the game? How do you... Do you scheme around players like Mayan Williams or Travion Henderson? Or, uh, you know, Cade Stover was on his way to having the best tight end season of any tight end in Ohio State history last year until he really slowed down in the second half. So, like, there's names. It's not a it's not a spot where you're looking for someone new to step up. It's just about how you manage the current load for everyone and, and find ways to to be balanced uh, so that it's not all Marvin Harrison, not all Mecca Buka. I think that's all, always the fun. That's the balance that... People want to talk about the, the rising stars, the next wave in, and Ohio State's so established for the most part at running back and wide receiver. That's easier to talk about. We've beat the offensive line stuff into the ground. Certainly there's a quarterback conversation to be had, but when it comes to conversations about Carnell Tate or Jelani Thurman, certainly their names come up a lot. But it's like, is it necessary? Is it mandatory that they have to play as true freshmen? Um, probably, I mean, Ohio State could win a national championship without that happening. So, in that respect, no. I know that you have felt like maybe Ohio State in this new era of college football has to be more aggressive with whether that be true freshmen or second-year players. Like you got to use it or potentially lose it. And, and that's all of that is a del- delicate balancing act that the Buckeyes, like everyone else in college football, have to manage. But it is more pressing when you have 12 or 13, four- and five-star wide receivers. Yeah, I think that at some point uh, programs like Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, et cetera, are going to get to a point where you have – incoming freshmen and you have NFL draft picks that are getting ready to go. Like, I don't know that we're going to see a lot of players in the next, next era of college football be in the third year of their, of their term and, and then finally emerge at least at the skill position, the offensive line, defensive line are a little different. I think if you're recruiting at the level Ohio state's recruiting, then you do that with the mindset that that player should be able to contribute early and often. Now, that being the case, I don't know that Ohio State is ready and fully willing to like commit to that idea of like we've seen it at, at Alabama. They've won national championships with young guys at the helm. Now, ideal world, that's a bunch of sophomores, and that's where I think what's really frustrating about Ohio State last year was that you had a bunch of sophomores who were in position to help Ohio State win a national championship, and then they didn't. Um, if you go back to the 2014 run, I mean that's a sophomore-driven class, and I think that even Alabama, Georgia, etc. It, it's once these guys get to that junior year and it's money year, interest changes, their their focus changes a little bit, and, and I think that we've seen a drop-off in execution at that point. Um, the question is how much should those guys play versus how much do you need them to play, and that's a totally different conversation. They have to play. Uh, it's quite simply, uh, and I, I, I've been we've talked about this more than I thought we would have in the, in the offseason, but a guy like Jelani Thurman from Atlanta – who left a, left the heart of SEC country to come north to play at Ohio State to play a developmental position? Does that knowing full well that it's going to take a year or two till he's the guy? Mm-hmm. 
But at the same time, in the NIL era, we've seen what Auburn is willing to do. I mean, heck, they just took you know a quarterback from Michigan State for fun, essentially. Who and I, I don't know you're giving a whole lot of money NIL wise to a, a th- three year mediocre starter, but you're going to do it. And if a player like Jelani Thurman, who's who spent six or seven different recruiting visits at Auburn, like I bet that conversation's one that's already underway. Like it, because tampering is now legal, essentially. So. Like we, how do you stop it? How do you balance it? Who are the players that have to play in the freshman class versus, you know, how do you get Jaden Ballard in the reps? Like it's just it's such a mess now that I don't know that there's a really simple answer. Okay, well, stock down on NCA rules. That's yeah. been a pretty pretty consistent approach from you. What about uh, some names that jumped out to you last week? Jelani Thurman. Oh, Jelani Thurman. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think that the real guys we continue to hear about is Ohio State looking for ways to get Xavier Johnson when he's back and healthy. Like, how do you get him in, in, the, in the mix? I'm wildly curious to see what they do with a guy like Brandon Ennis now that he's on campus. Not a whole lot of discussion about him because Brian Hartline's not going to sit out yeah. there and and, and gush, over a gush over a guy who hasn't practiced at Ohio State yet. I mean, it's a little different with Cardinal Tate who we watched and you saw what he could do. But the name that I always hear in, in consistently, and maybe it's because Brian Hartline wants people to remember Julian Fleming exists um, for whatever other reason. I, I mean, you know, if Julian Fleming was going to transfer, like a lot of people have speculated for years, like, well, <laughs> this is the year. Since the moment he got yeah, here? Like, is it, then he would have done it already. Yeah. Uh, this is obviously a, a big year for him, and I think if he's healthy, I, I, I think Julian Fleming is in line for a really surprisingly big year for Ohio State. You saw that. that the healthiest that he was all of last year, and the shoulder issues. He went into camp and was like, "Oh, he's finally going to be healthy." Then had another setback there. What was it? Uh, the hip injury, missed time, up and down. Shoulder popped up again. Had to have an off-season shoulder uh, injury that sold surgery. Easy for me to say. So he still was never fully healthy. But the closest he was when he had three or four weeks to prepare for the Peach Bowl, you saw how dynamic and effective he was in partnership, in concert with what Marvin Harrison and Emeka Ibuka can do. Those three guys collectively are going to cause a lot of problems. You can say, it's not a knock to say that Julian Fleming is third on that pecking order. Like, I think if you asked him that, he would say, well, yeah, because the production is there. Uh, We know how good those other two are, but that's why we see, I think, Brian Hartline a lot of times saying, you see these top ten lists, and Emeka and Marvin are both in there. Oh, you're missing one. Julian Fleming is still very good. Very, very good, but he's not going to get as many targets as a lot of those other guys that are going to check in in the top 15, top 20 in these offseason rankings. If he was anywhere else, his numbers would be off the charts. Maybe if his health had been different, like we can have those hypothetical conversations, but he's very good, and Ohio State is like they don't consider him just a throw into this. They, no. they want to build an offense around all three of them, not just two. I think that there's a lot of conversation around him because he was the number one ranked player in the country by ESPN in the class of 2020 and a five-star across the board, no matter which ranking service you looked at. But we've talked about it ad nauseum over the last couple of years. He was not a ready-made college football wide receiver, whereas Emeka Abuka, the number one ranked receiver in the class of 2021, was where Marvin Harrison, who was built in a lab to play wide receiver, uh, a lab on another planet <laughs> to play wide receiver. Like that, that is, it's not what Julian Fleming was ever going to be. And then you throw on top the, the myriad of injuries he's had uh, myriad injuries, not myriad of injuries, yeah. I guess uh, it, it's, it's like, 
okay, when does this get started? And that's what I'm saying at the beginning of the show. Like, how often do you have these guys who were in their fourth year before they really emerge as a skill player? Most of the time in a place like Ohio State, that guy would have been gone already. So um, it does speak to his perseverance that he's still there and still fighting through it. Um, but I really do think he's in a position to be to have it pay off. And I think that's the same thing for, for a guy like Trayvon Henderson, who a lot of people just wanted to cut down a year ago. And I think there's uh, a fair conversation to be had that maybe he wasn't what we expected him to be based on what he was in 2021. But then you throw the injuries on top of that, and it's impossible to ignore the fact that he was playing with a foot that he shouldn't have been playing football. I mean, if you're a running back, and you have one foot, mm. it's not easy to play running back from what I've heard. I don't think it's even easy to run if you just have one right. foot. Yeah, it's difficult. That's the first part of that job description. Yeah. So, like, he was a back. Right. But, you know. It, it, how, do you, how do you separate the injury from the expectation of what he did when he was healthy in the mm-hmm. beginning part of the year? I don't know. I mean, was he... I know people hate the conversation about Mike Weber and J.K. Dobbins in 2018, but like it's pretty relevant. Now, the difference is here heading into 2023 as opposed to 2019, there's no one with an expectation that Trayvon Henderson is going to run for 2,000 yards, and be, but that's because Mayan Williams exists. Because you have four other Down Hayden exists and Chip Trainum exists. So uh, what is a realistic expectation for Travion, and what, you know, are is his impact this year going to be reflected in his numbers? If he's healthy, I don't think so. But he should be that guy that like scares defenses again, and that's the, that's an extremely important thing for Kyle McCord or Devin Brown to have behind them in the backfield. Yeah, and I think there is also a fair conversation to be had, and I know that there were these same discussions between Tony Alford and Travion Henderson, like when when it wasn't clear if health was really the issue. There was some times where he was pressing, and they were looking at plays and stuff to the outside were you making the correct read the correct choices like they're they're not going to ever turn a blind eye to that now how much of it was the health and how much i'll never know and i don't know that anybody is ever going to have those conversations but i know that there were honest ones being had closed doors in that meeting room about taking the next step it's the same thing that did happen to jk dobbins uh that sophomore year and we don't have to keep rehashing that over and over but you put a healthy and motivated travion henderson out there which we didn't see in practice, but you saw him coming off the field once he was getting cleared to go, how eager he was to jump in. This guy is is really ready to go, and it does a disservice. I, I've i been critical, and I don't know if that's even the right word for it. I thought that Mayan was a better fit for the offense for a lot of the year last year, whether that was because of the foot, whether it was because of the other things that we're talking about with, with reads and vision and all those other things. It uh, doesn't matter. No, it also that's is partly just style. Yeah, I mean, maybe. You, yeah, you, you had the high flying passing offense, and you needed that bruiser up the middle uh, and the guy that was going to fight and get the tough yard or two. And Travion, because of the vision stuff, because of maybe dancing around more than he should, some of that might have been the foot was not effective in those spaces. So the the point is that maybe I'm as guilty uh, as anybody of just forgetting how dynamic he was as a freshman, while at the same time I, I know how much football he's missed and how much development time he's missed with what happened in COVID with, you know, the limitations and not playing as a senior, all those other things. He's got a, he's got a lot of things that are trending in the right direction for him, making up time, making up health, getting more experience that I think will help him. And that's, that's a scary thought because 
a healthy Mayan Williams is still a part of that equation. And Chip Trainum had a very good spring with both of those guys being limited. And, you know, Dallin Hayden is certainly on that development path. And all four of those guys, we haven't, we still haven't truly seen Evan Pryor in a, in a situation where I would say that it's fair to include him in those plans. I know that uh, there are people uh, that cover this team that disagree with that, but, you know, that's, that top four by itself isn't is enough of a challenge to manage, but Travion, out of all of that group, I think you still have to say has maybe the highest ceiling to reach. Yeah, I wonder if Evan Pryor, if he's healthy, can be used alongside Xavier Johnson in some of that uh, hybrid role that we saw Ohio State want for Jackson Smith and Jigba. It's not obviously a true wide receiver. You know, if he's lined up in the backfield and he's you know in the wing position, like he's going to be doing something with the football. But I think that there's a role for him there. I don't know. I mean, again, I'm talking about J.K. Dobbins in 2019. Like, who was the backup running back? Master Teague was the backup. And beyond that, there was Marcus Crowley, right? So, as a freshman, this is a much different scenario. So, um, how do you get the best out of a guy at this point in his career? What's, what is needed, again, versus what is a fair expectation? Um, I think Ohio State just wants to see Travion Henderson be the explosive back who sees a hole and hits it, as opposed to what he did last year when he was healthy dancing around. And they could probably do more things to help him, if we're being honest. You don't put that all on Travion Henderson's shoulders. Like the Throwing to him out of the backfield and that touchdown against Maryland when he probably shouldn't have been playing, yeah. Like you get him in a spot and let him go, well, guess what? He's going to outrun people. Penn even State, I mean, he scored the 40-yard touchdown at, at, in the fourth quarter against Penn State, and that's burst. Yeah. But then he shouldn't be out there. Yeah. And then he gets hurt again. <laughs> and then Mayan Williams gets his finger stuck in a yard marker. And you're like, what in the hell is going on here? <laughs> that was uh, a strange turn of events. Um, I thought it was Enoch Vamahi's name coming up. I don't. He's not going to start for Ohio State. Justin Fry was did pretty close to putting him in that group when he yeah. was talking about, like, well, if there's a best Might five, be the best five yeah. that he could be in that, that's unlikely because that would probably require moving Matthew Jones to center. But... The way that they talk about Enoch Vermahi is not somebody that they have ever given up on. They've had high hopes for him for a long time. It's just it's it's been on the cusp, and I, I still don't know what that means for going into August because he, the reality is he's not going to be in that top five without them moving some other pieces, and I don't expect them to do that. But you still have to have some ability to be flexible with the depth behind that, and if Enoch Vermahi, he's stuck through it to this far, and if he's still able to keep providing that, that's a big deal. Yeah, I mean, you just need bodies on the offensive line that are capable of going out there and actually helping the offense. Uh, and that's, you know, whether it's Enoch Vamahi, whether it's Jacob James, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, Matthew Jones moving around like we've talked about or, or Dwan and Jackson kicking mm-hmm. out. I mean, the, the reality is this offensive line is patchwork. And so when you have someone that's been there for five years, you just hope that they're a, a bonus to your team. It's not a matter of – Thing. And I'm sure his expectation was at some point I'm going to start at Ohio State, but that's not the way it worked out. And, again, kudos to him for sticking it out for that long. But the reality is he can still make an impact. I mean, we're talking about Matthew Jones going into his sixth year, and, and I don't think anyone would have thought last year that Matthew Jones was going to be that important of a piece. But now all of a sudden he's pretty damned important. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that that's just the way it is when you've fought through it all at Ohio State. And that's why I got like Joe Royer to me. I really believe, and I think you do too, you can feel free to correct me if, I'm, if if you don't think that. But had Joe Royer not gotten hurt last preseason, I don't think we would have been talking about Cade Stover as the starting tight end at Ohio State. I, I really think that that was Joe Royer's position to lose. Last spring, that was the plan all along. 
And if he's healthy now and he's past the you know loss of his mother and he's, he's able to be a fully involved emotionally and mentally and physically, like I think Joe Royer is a guy that could be a, a game changer for Ohio State, not just because he is physically talented enough to do that, but because if you line him up opposite Cade Stover, you're able to put those guys both out there at the same time. The Ryan Day offense works best when he's able to run a 12 personnel that he likes. Yeah, And if you have Joe Royer as healthy and, and – We've seen him. He looks to the part, and the people that we talk to continue to say, like, he's probably the best tight end on the roster, but nobody's seen it. So, like, how do you get there? Yeah, and it's another situation that is not a knock on Kate Stover, that, that there are many people who think that Joe Royer has the higher ceiling or the better NFL potential uh, out of that group. You know, we'll see. You still have to go out and prove that. Kate Stover, to this point, has had more opportunities in has proven that he can be a badass and a and, tough player. And taking advantage of him. Right? And, and taking advantage of that opportunity. And But that's also, so we'll just go ahead and use another example that I like to use from the years past. Like Both Jeremy Ruckert and Luke Farrell were NFL tight ends. It doesn't, it, it's, it's not an insult to say that one of them might be drafted higher than the other. And I don't know if that'll happen with Joe Roy or not. I know that there are many people who expect that to be a potential outcome and a possibility for him. And if it, I can't speak to what happened for him off the field. Everybody's going to deal with uh, it's. That's shocking. It's stunning. No one's prepared for it, and I'm go, I'm going to set that aside. It's not fair to do that. But just the groin injury itself, yeah. the physical part. I mean, that was tough for him to overcome, and it took most of the year for that to happen before he could even help as he did late in the year. So, it's just Ohio State's just scratching the surface with what he can do. Uh, none of it's easy. Emotional, physical. Both of those things developing and overcoming adversity, but I hear good things. Yeah, I think it just speaks to the crazy expectations that Ryan Day has brought to Ohio State's offense. That we're heading into the 2023 season with literally a ton of questions on offense, and everyone's com- everyone's concern is God, the defense got to be better. Like we have no idea what this offense is going to be. You have no idea about anything on this offense. You have five running backs, none of them which were healthy a year ago. You have two healthy wide receivers in spring, and you, one of them is Marvin Harrison, so that, that changes the, the, the calculus a little bit. You have Cade Stover coming off a broken back. You have Joe Royer, who like the offensive line is in shambles, and uh, everyone's just like, yeah, but damn, if Jim Knowles doesn't figure out this defense, and not, like – but you know why? Yeah, it is. It's crazy though. because that, there's a track record that it's going to be. That's done. why it's crazy. It, it's it speaks. I don't think we could ever truly understand or properly put into context how different Ohio State football is because of Ryan Day um, than it was six years ago. So it just uh, it's just wild to me. Like you think about this offense, you're like. Question mark, question mark, question mark. Marvin Harrison and Mecca Buka, question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark. And it's like, well, okay, no big deal. Some of them are degrees of question marks, right? I mean, sure. Because the running back situation, do you, you don't actually consider You just don't know how they're going to do it. Right, you don't consider the position yeah. a question mark, but you just don't know how you're going to figure yeah. it out or how you're going to get it utilized in a way that's going to keep everyone happy and productive and, and, you know, efficient. So it's just, and then you have three quarterbacks that are brand new. Well, four, I, four I didn't, brand new quarterbacks. I didn't think that we were going to get to this point where Berm's just giving a stock down on the offense. I, wow! But that's the thing; it's the stock up. It's a, it, it, this, the offense is so good yeah. that you just you can't allow yourself to worry about the minutia of the offense that much. But there are certain players that will take it from being a, a average, 
which is a great mm-hmm. Ohio State offense, to to winning a national championship, and that's really where they're at. Well, if we don't focus on the minutia, this is going to be a hard offseason. Hard. And the podcast daily will probably struggle. So let's keep focusing yeah. on the minutia. How about Let, that? Let's focus on the minutia. But while we're at it, let's uh, wish uh, uh, or congratulate our former coworker Spencer Holbrook. He got married over the weekend. I wanted to at least say, you know, happy marriage. Well done. Way to do it. <laughs> well, uh, you made it. I I tried for a couple of years to get him to not do it. <laughs> Um, but he just decided that he was going to go against my advice. Not because I don't his, – his now wife is a wonderful person. I, I just thought he was too young. And, uh, you know, but, hey. That includes kudos. last Tuesday. Yeah, I did tell him one last chance. Giving one final warning this is last to chance. not do it. I offered to pack a bag for him uh, and, and to help, cur- you know, ferry him out of the house. But uh, it didn't work. But so congrats, Spencer. Through. Congrats to Spencer and Corey. Uh, enjoy the honeymoon. I believe they are heading to some islands. Yeah. Uh, it'll be a We're great. not going to tell people where they're yeah. going in the event that there's, you know, paparazzis. Just, well, I didn't, maybe they wanted to send him a gift. Uh, I don't. Well, I don't think you should send a gift to Hawaii anyway. You are now. You just told him. You did it anyway. Thanks for joining us uh, on your Tuesday for the podcast daily. Be back again tomorrow. Don't know what we're going to talk about. Probably some minutia, but we'll figure it out when that time comes. That's Burma. I'm Austin. We'll talk to you later.